Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary, and this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Welcome, everyone. Good to be back here with you. I hope you've been listening to some of our most recent podcasts. We've been doing some really intriguing topics. Um, I've gotten some interesting feedback some, from some of our audience on them, and I'm excited uh, excited about those. But we're this week we're going to do a topic that's just near and dear to our hearts, aren't we? Yes, it is. I, we, I think we do say this a lot. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe that's why we're here each week is because we love it's doing near and this dear. so much. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, um, we've mentioned to the audience that Gary and I uh, lead a Friday night um, Arab Shabbat Torah study, and uh, we do it on Zoom. Uh, We started it during the pandemic when everything closed down, and then it just kind of stuck, and we've added people from all over, you know, so we've got people from uh, from around the country and sometimes outside the country, and so uh, we enjoy just really diving into the Word and Lots of times those Friday night discussions um, uh, prompt topic ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, that we want to talk about. And so that's exactly what happened last week. Um, In addition to the regular Torah portion, um, our our group on Zoom has been going through Romans very, very slowly. (laughs) (laughs) It's taken a while. And that's fine. That's fine. We have no no particular speed that we have to go through it. So, you know, we, we... we had a discussion last week, and that um, really prompted this idea that we need to talk about this topic to, uh, some more, uh, really in depth. It's at the it's at the heart of our faith, mm-hmm. you know. It, it really is, and I think it's sadly unknown by much of the Christian world yes. that, that how important this concept that we're going to speak about today is. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Gary and I have been studying God's Word from a Hebraic perspective for many, many years, more than I, I you <laughs> added up, it's admit. a lot. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, um, we think that there's a topic that maybe everybody's got. Yeah. And we realized last Friday that, you know, this topic that we thought maybe everybody had, they didn't. They didn't. I, you know, I was shocked because I really had been looking forward to getting to Romans 11, you know, all the time we've been slowly going through mm-hmm. Romans. And uh, I was looking forward to the conversation and it took such an, a different turn. Yeah. I was I was surprised, and I thought, "Wow, we really need to get back to the context of yes. this passage." So that's what we're trying. That's what we want to do today. And so um, I I would encourage you. Um, we're gonna we're gonna actually read a significant mm-hmm. part of Romans eleven. Uh, you know, so that our audience knows exactly what it is that we're talking about. Um, so if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Romans eleven. Um, and uh, you know, we always encourage too that you know you go back and you look at the context of everything that we're talking about. Context is everything, it's right? It's huge. And yeah. that's what we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. today, about the importance of, of, context, of context. But I also want to tell the audience that this is going to be a two-part study because our discussion kind of went in a couple different directions, and we felt like this should be two parts, okay? So this 
today we're going to be talking about what it means to be uh, for us to be grafted into the olive tree of Israel. Okay, mm-hmm. um, exactly what the context, history, understanding, how to understand that as believers. And then next week, we're going to talk about another concept found in Romans 11 in the, the uh, picture of the grafting in, and that's the idea of being cut off. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is going to go down another, I mean, that's just involves some more information, some more discussion, and we're going to set that for, for next time. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's so important. Because if you if you don't know what the message meant to the original audience, you really don't know what it means. And I, I think exploring that today is important. I do too. Now, the one thing that we've all been emphasizing and, and, and really has been drilled into us as we've read Romans is that all throughout this letter, and I think all throughout all of Paul's letters, even though he was chosen as the apostle to the Gentiles, his heart Yes, he had a heart for the Gentiles, but his heart was for his people. And he over and over and over says that, that that what he is doing, he's hoping will ultimately bring his people back into the faith that was given to them by their fathers. That's right. You know, that that was his whole heart. Um, And. Um, that's very clear in Romans, okay? Very clear in Romans 11. Very clear there. And and there's another reference in Romans is speaking about um, uh, Yeshua in saying that he became a servant to the circumcision in order to remind them of the promises made to the fathers. And that this, this, this was the mission of Yeshua as well. And so Paul is just taking that mantle and running with it. Yes, exactly. That's right. You know, Paul acknowledges that in God's infinite wisdom, God has seen fit to harden the hearts of some of the Jewish people so that they cannot or will not see Yeshua as the Savior that was foretold by uh, Israel's prophets. Mm. Paul acknowledges that. And I think we even mentioned last week, you know, if we were God and we were going to try to get this message of salvation out, this may not have been the way we've done it. We would have done it. <laughs> you know, so, but, but, uh, it may not have been the way Paul would have done it either, you know, to, to harden the hearts of some of his people, you know, so the message would go out to others and then come back. But Romans 11, 11 is addressing that issue, um, and it says, what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And he's actually pulling from Isaiah 29.10, as he all, all throughout Romans, he's referencing back to, to the Tanakh. Sure. And, and, and all, the, the entire, what we call New Testament, or the Brich Hadashah, is all about quotes from, from the, uh, the Tanakh, uh, from the Torah. And uh, this is no exception. And I think for, for further context here, that, that the idea of who was hardened and who was not... Remember, the common people flocked to Yeshua. They they heard the message of of you know, Yochanan or John the Baptizer, and then Yeshua to repent and come back to their God. That was the message. 
Yet the leadership of the day was corrupt. The, the, the Pharisaic leadership, the Sadducees, there was a corruption element here. There was an alignment with Rome in order to keep their status. And this is well documented in history. And so I think it's important for our audience to, to make that distinction that they, they came to the common people and thousands upon thousands of common folk, Jewish people would call them now, uh, you know, uh, Hebrews, would would followed or or returned. They made teshuvah. They returned to their God and walked in this movement. Okay, so we wouldn't be here. You and I wouldn't be sitting here today if it not for those who followed the disciples and all those who followed them. Oh yes, yes. Right. Um, and you're right that sometimes everybody kind of gets lumped they in do. all together. Yes. Okay, but yeah, we, we wouldn't be here. Right. Exactly. So I, I, yes, and I think that that's critical for the audience to remember because I think it's those kind of ideas that um, kind of are the germination, the seed for anti-Semitism Absolutely. within the church. Absolutely. Yes. This is the kind of thing, you know, the, the idea of Christ killer and, and, and uh, the fact that, in fact, this chapter, what we're going to read, addressing this idea that, that, that God forbid that, that he rejected them, um, you know, and it continued as the church grew, uh, when we, we use that term church now, but as this movement grew and then was codified about 300 years later, uh, I think it's fitting for, for this quote from uh, historian Jules Isaac, and I'll, I'll quote it the best I can remember, but it said that the Jewish rejection of Jesus coincided with the church's rejection of the Torah. To ask them to do that would be like having them rip their heart out, and history records no such collective suicide. And that's a powerful quote because because the idea of this Jesus that was being propagated at that point was a Torah less Jesus. He 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 somehow Paul and Jesus had rejected the Torah and gone on with a new way. Well, that's not the Yeshua that we know. That's not the Jesus or the Paul that we know. And see, that's this is what this chapter is going to address in a big way, but was ignored. Wow. And, and and all of the heartache and misery and sorrow that came from that. Came that. With it, yes. and, and what and when what Paul is getting ready in his this word too to warn warn the Gentiles about yes. is exactly what they fell into. Exactly. You know. Um mm-hmm. you know, Paul explains, you know, like I said earlier, that this hardening of of uh, of of some of the Jewish people that is through this hardening that then the gospel message is going to be shared with the Gentile world. And verse 11, it says, again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Love how Paul does this. Asks this <laughs> he question. Asks question. He and... knows the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very rabbinic. Okay. Yes. Um, rather because of their transgression, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Mm. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? That's that's unimaginable when we think about it. Uh, what, what just again adds a little bit more context to what, what why Paul is addressing the Gentiles. 
um, for those of you who are familiar with the history of, of expulsions of the Jewish people, Rome, the, the, the peninsula of Italy was no exception. There were, there were expulsions of Jews th- throughout history, you, you know, before, before you know, B.C. and A.D. Um, in, for, for context with Paul's writings, we can look no further than Acts 18.2, um, Paul addresses this, the fact that, in fact, you know what? I will read it to, for our audience. Always a good idea. Good idea. <laughs> Acts 18, 2 says, uh, I'll start with one. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And in parentheses, it says, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So there you have it. You have this this congregation now of followers of the way who were predominantly Gentiles. They were not Jews by birth because the Jews had been expelled. So that's important for us to understand when the book of Romans was written, this letter was written to Rome, that he was addressing Gentile believers. Oh, yes. And, and, yes. and that's made even clearer here, this, this, mm-hmm. uh, who he's addressing and, and warning, you right. know, like giving this, this warning. I, it, it is interesting to me that Paul could see that. I, mm-hmm. You know, there probably, there was pro- I'm sure there was already evidence of it starting. Mm-hmm. So that's why he had to address, because that's what he did in all of his letters. Sure, he okay, was addressing so problems. He was addressing problems. So he was starting to see some issues, start, you know, starting. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, let's try to nip this in the bud, right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and stop it right here. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work. Um, Sadly, tragically, tragically, in this case, exactly. You know, um, this next idea we call grafting in. Mm -hmm. And I remember early on in my Christian walk, I remember hearing that phrase, okay, we're grafted in. Honestly, it was years before I knew what we were grafted into. Okay. I I didn't even really think about it. What are we grafted into? Um, This olive tree of Israel, which we're going to spend some time with. But it took me a long time to know. So I think that, you know... I, I now, years later, you know, I think, okay, grafted into everybody understands what that is and what that means. That's and I, we, I, I, we just can't, <laughs> can't necessarily assume that. No, no, we found that out. So Gary, if, could you read these sections from uh, Romans 11 here, just so that our audience, I, I just think it's really important that we hear straight from Paul. Okay. Okay. First, and before sure. we discuss it. Okay. And we're reading Romans 11, uh, starting with verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among others, and now share in the nourishing sap of the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in? Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. 
provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if, you, if, if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut off of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I love how the Bible always uses God's creation to describe critical theological concepts. Sure, because we have something we can see, tangibly see, to, to make that, to drive the point home. And we talked about that last week, earlier in Romans, where Paul talks about uh, because man has creation, God's creation, he has no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, and, and And so the Bible is full of this imagery, many times of trees and plants um, and uh, seeds mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth. And um, and, and yes, because that's what the people could see and touch and know and understand. And, you know, the, all of the parables about there's about planting and all in everything. Mm-hmm. So it it makes it really good and easy to, to understand. And I um, I remember seeing a grafting um, illustration and how helpful that was to me to get this concept. And I. I remember, Gary, you were talking about a story uh, when you took a, a group over to Israel on on, on a bus mm-hmm. about seeing an olive tree or grafting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was that? Well, uh, let me let me start with the fact that this particular passage that I just read changed my life. Oh, that's right. I had been yes. I had been I had been a a, a Christian and born again uh, about ten years, and through that ten year journey, I just kept. Sensing in my spirit that I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I could keep reading, keep studying, but something was missing. And then I had a, 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 a brother-in-law speak to me and say, read Romans 11 again. And I had read it before, obviously, but he must have known something. Uh, maybe God, the Spirit of God spoke to him because I read it again and a light came on. Kathy, I mean, it's just like, it was like a a lightning bolt, I just realized that I am part of something that I did not realize. And one year later, I made my first trip to Israel. And now let's, let's, now we'll go to this story that you, you referenced and, and uh, why it, it was so, you know, so strongly in my memory to, to, to talk about this with my tour group. I was leading a tour. The bus came to this crossroads and as I looked over behind this fence, chain link fence, I saw an olive grove and an olive tree that had been cut down probably maybe my chest high and had probably a 20 inch diameter trunk that had been cut down, but it had grafts in the sides of it. And I, I, I quickly told our guide and I told the driver, stop, pull over where it was safely where you can. He pulled the bus over. And we got out. I said, we've got a teachable moment here. And we walked over. We took the whole tour group, you know, impromptu over to the side of the fence. And people were taking pictures. And I spoke about this graft. Because what you had was a beautiful demonstration, a picture, just as you said, you know, God uses these pictures in nature, of this olive tree that had been cut down, but its roots still gone deep 
right? Because it was a healthy, solid, you know, uh, a stump of a tree uh, that had been been established for quite some time. And these shaft, these graphs, these what what a graft is for anybody who's not uh, familiar with the idea of grafting is you take a shoot from a from another tree, and this in this case an olive tree, cut into the the bark and into the the, the tree and and fasten this shoot into the, the, the into the established tree they actually can tape it on or strap it on in some way to where now this shoot begins to pull its nutrients from the established tree now think about that for a moment in the terms of our faith if jesus Yeshua had just appeared in, in a in a just out of the blue, just showed up in, in the middle of let's say in this case the Roman Empire and started preaching this message. Do you think that would have gone over? Do you think it would have been accepted? Do you think he would have gained any traction? I, I doubt it because it was so foreign to the pagan world. But thousands of years prior, God had established a people and given them the Torah, given them instructions for life, for living, and established this people so that there would be somebody that when Yeshua was born, he could be born too, that were they weren't pagan. Okay. So what that's an interesting concept, even of itself. Even of itself. And <laughs> yes. then we could explore that yes. you know, even deeper. But I'll try to try to, to keep this brief. But so basically what you have is this now you have this movement going on of of Gentiles trying to figure out what this means to come into this faith. Had had this movement just started with no established, uh, no people group that was established, no cohort that could have helped them along, it would have died uh, quickly. It would be like taking that shoot that I'm talking about, that wild olive shoot, and sticking it into the hard soil, dry soil, the Israeli soil during this summer, you know, no rain, not that it would have shriveled up and died. Even, even if rains did come, it would probably be washed away because there was no root. But when you establish it, if you attach it to an established tree, it's got a solid root. It won't be washed away, and it's got nutrients that it's pulling already from deep in the earth. Now, what does that mean? Going back to this, this people group, that means all the way to Abraham. The root, our root starts with Abraham. The Jewish root starts with Abraham. We share this root now. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the establishment of the Torah and this, this people group who understood what it meant to live according to the Torah. We are grafted into that 4,000 years ago, God started with Abraham. He chose a man who became a people who now form a nation. And we're grafted into that so that when we come into faith, we have to learn what it means to be like this people, uh, the, the faithful, the faithful who follow the Torah. This is our instructions as well. I think you have it listed. I'll mention it now because I think it's just appropriate. Galatians 3.29. If you belong to the Messiah, if you read your English Bibles, it says, if you are Christ, if you belong to the Messiah, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, what's that promise? God made a covenant with Abraham to be God to him. He's God no matter what. 
but he's God to his people through covenant. And I believe this is what that graft represents. We are those branches that have been, that have been attached to a tree that goes very deep all the way to Abraham. That's what the olive tree represents. I think it's so critical for uh, those of us who are Gentile believers to understand that because I think a lot of the ter- uh, teaching within the church, be it deliberate or not, or just this is the way it's been for years, uh, it kind of assumes or teaches that something brand new happened, like out of the blue, like, right. you know, like you said, like never before thought of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's so not true. Exactly. I mean, the reason that so many of these common Jewish people believed was because of that nourishment from that root. They were looking for the Messiah. Yes, they, they were. They knew the Gentiles were not looking for a Messiah. No, they had not. no idea that no. this was happening or what what was happening here. So you're right that um, that illustration of just taking the branch and sticking it into some kind of rocky soil would never have taken. Right. Um, and, and yet we kind of get an image that, you know, you know, we go to a church and you're handed a New Testament mm. to read you're like everything just started right there. Yeah, that's that's like putting the the roof on before you've built a foundation. Right. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and that it's what that's exactly what Paul was warning about here. Um, the result of ignoring his warning was replacement theology. This idea that somehow the church had replaced the Jewish people in the economy or the eyes of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Wow. And that has caused so much misery, so much pain and yes, death throughout yes and um, misunderstanding, you know, at the very least uh, uh, within the church. If we can understand what we're grafted into, what we become part of, then that is such a big, we, we use it all the time, paradigm shift Absolutely. for us. Yeah. Everything changes when you get that. And that's why you said that changed. It changed my life. It's not that you, I, you know, this concept of being saved, you, you knew and understand there was this Jesus and you, mm-hmm. need a, you needed a savior. Okay. You, you got that I got before that. you got, before you understood exactly what you were grafted into, Correct. you benefited from that nourishment already, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay? You just didn't understand it. Right. I didn't fully understand it. And when I did, it started the journey to fully understanding what what Jehovah, our, our, our creator, expects of us from a way, a standpoint of, of uh, you know, uh, obedience uh, to the, the code of conduct that the Torah is, you know, that we're to follow. Um, it, it changed now, not immediately, of course, it has been a lot, a, a long journey under trying to understand what this meant. And it started, as I said, uh, that, that moment. And then, uh, a year later was in Israel and then just continually seeking, seeking out what is, what is God's desire for his people? What is the truth here? And why is it so important that we understand, uh, and not become part of those who, 
uh, who would persecute or look down upon the Jewish people when, in fact, you know, Paul tells us that it's the root that supports us, not the other way around. And in fact, we didn't read, but pri- right prior to that passage, it says, if the if the uh, the lump is uh, the first fruits are holy, or the lump was holy, then all the branches are holy. I believe is how it's right. said, spoken. And so um, they are still set apart, even in unbelief. Uh, and, and, and when I say unbelief, there are many faithful Jewish people who are following Torah, who believe in, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who, uh, who, who are, I believe, God-fearing people, God-loving people. This idea that Yeshua uh, was the Messiah is foreign to them because they, mostly they see Jesus, the non-Torah observant Jesus as the Christian faith, and so it's it's they're repelled by that. Uh, you know that's repulsive to them. Um, in in, uh, in it's contrary to what the Torah instructs them. Well, do. yes, because Deuteronomy warns them to run away from exactly. that. Um, someone who, who comes teaching, uh, preaching another faith. Exactly. And this is where Paul gets back to this idea that it is the ju- the, the the responsibility of the Gentiles to to make them jealous. Or envious, and we we don't do that by presenting to them a Torahless Jesus, exactly. you know, a blonde, blue-eyed Gentile Roman Catholic Jesus. Okay, <laughs> that doesn't make them jealous. That is not the that's not the Savior, the Mashiach that they've been looking for for right. all these years. Right, um, and yet. He wasn't the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Torahless uh, uh, Gentile. Right. He was the exact opposite of that. And that has been hidden, I think, partially is, is our fault, because we've hid, we, the church quickly hid I, I that. I so. You always said that the church was born in divorce, yes. okay, of its Jewish roots, of Judaism, as if it sprang up from nowhere. Right. You know? Um, and uh, the, so... The codified church of 325 AD is yes. what I'm referring yes. to, not the movement of the way. No, not uh, because, yes, as, as a, uh, the way, the way, uh, uh, Exactly. And I think that is important to clarify. But it wasn't, you know, there were different streams of Judaism even back then. Sure. And this was a stream of Judaism as it started. Exactly. A sect. It was a sect of Judaism. And so, um, and understood to be by, by those Jewish people, they didn't think they were something new. Right. They didn't think there, there that's, was some... That's why it was it was accepted as a long a lo- as a stream moving along with just you know maybe another rabbi you know type of thing, you know today I remember a number of years ago talking to an Orthodox individual who said that the two things that uh, the Jews in Israel fear the most is nuclear annihilation by Iran and assimilation into Christianity because both mean the end of the Jewish state. Think about that for a moment, because it's it's a widely believed by Christians and Jews that this that this would be a move into Christianity, and therefore they would no longer be a people of God, the Jewish people that they always you know, have defended and, and have been for thousands of years. When in, when that is again a falsehood, because they do not stop being this Hebrew people. Again, we call them Jewish Jewish people today. That is so important, Gary. They don't stop being Jewish. No, 
they don't stop and they don't become Christian. No, not at all. You know, and we don't have to become Jewish either to have this understanding. Okay. Uh, uh, and this change in our life and this paradigm shift. Okay. I'm not, um, I'm not a Jewish person, okay, right. but I do understand that my Messiah is Jewish and that this code of conduct is for me. Exactly. And this, it, because I've been grafted in. Yes. You know. This, this is exactly what was happening in Acts chapter 10 when Peter first understood what God was doing. You know, Paul, we're reading Paul because he now he has a full grasp that the Gentiles are to be included. Peter didn't understand that initially. We, and we read in Acts chapter 10, he receives this vision that he's to go and, and, he's, and eventually speaks to this centurion, Cornelius, right? Well, again, the Christian church has completely missed this passage. They think it's all about now we can eat bacon. You exactly. know, they think it's about the, the kosher, the, the, the food laws. It has nothing to do with the food laws and everything to do with the fact that now Peter was called to go into a Gentile's home. It interprets that in within the, the same chapter, he says, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. And he goes in and he, and he ministers to Cornelius and his entire family. One of those rare occasions where the Bible tells us why something is exactly. happening a certain way. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's, like, he didn't say it's because now I can have a BLT. Yeah, like, <laughs> but, but that's how I, I can't tell you how frustrated I am with that passage sometimes, because no matter how many times you point out that it interprets itself and it's it's about the inclusion of the Gentiles. Uh, people still want to say, "No, this is this is means I, I can eat there, whatever I want." There's that imprinting you were talking yes. about in in a, a couple it, of weeks ago, yeah. and that was their first uh, uh, thought about this: is that this is saying now that you can eat anything, and it's right. hard to get rid of that first it, it really thought, is. even though the word specifically tells you yeah. exactly yeah. what this is about. It, it's a big paradigm shift, but it's worth it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, my dear friend uh, and, and good friend of yours, she would, um, I, I'd like the way she illustrated this because there are, there are different ways of understanding the grafting into the tree is really a good one. Mm-hmm. But she said, it's like joining a family. You know, if you have your own children and you, ha- you adopt a child into the family, you don't put different food in front of that child you eat what everybody else is eating, right? Yeah, that's good. You know, and the and the child doesn't celebrate a different set of holidays from the rest of the family. Right. You celebrate the same holidays. If the family is doing something on this day, that's what you're doing. Sure. I think it's a beautiful illustration. It's, a, it's such a good, I mean, it's, it's so basic. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow we've complicated this and... And, and it's hard because of the imprinting. Those were the first things we learned. We have to undo yes. that learning. If we've been in uh, the, the structure of the church for years, there's this whole undoing of that kind of thinking that yes. has to occur. I've always said that it's actually easier to teach some of the things that we're teaching to someone who hasn't been in the church it is. for a long time, yeah. because they can look at the word, they can read that thing in Acts and go, oh, well, here, it tells us exactly what it is. They sure. don't have that stereotype, that prejudice in advance, that paradigm right. that they're looking through. Um, so it's relatively easy 
for them to see it. Mm-hmm. So it's harder. Um, that's why I always think it's important that we teach young people, yeah. you know, before they they get all of these said ideas. And all we're doing in this is we're not coming up with some kind of new weird thing. We're going look at the word exactly. <laughs> it, it look Read at, the word. Look at it plainly and not with the through the lens of our our Christian doctrine that we've been taught. It goes back to that passage that I referenced uh, recently too. Is a love for the truth. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've often asked that question uh, to people. If you learned everything that you formerly knew was a lie, wouldn't you want to know? That's terrifying. To it many is terrifying. People. I've, I've actually sat down and explained some of these things to individuals, and they say, "I know you're right, but, but," and that "but" was because they enjoyed all the things that they were doing that were contrary to what the, the, what the, the Torah I, I've heard says. that exact same thing. I know that's what it says, yeah. but I think... Right. Well, who cares? Who cares what, what, we, what think? we think? I mean, I don't care what I think or what right. you think, Gary, is what does the word, what say? Does the word say? And so um, that's a hard thing to get past. And so whatever happened with you and your brother-in-law, that was from God Mm -hmm. using him in that way to show you how to show you that in a really, really powerful way. And for me, uh, you know, I was saved at a young age. Uh, You know, I went to um, a Gosh, when I was in high school, my my sister and I went to Young Life, um, and Young Life was a great Christian organization where they offered an alternative for the high schoolers to get together, you know, sing, gather, eat, um, and then someone would always do, you know, uh, some kind of sermon or preach or something, and they're like, hey, come on, we're all going to Myrtle Beach for a weekend and uh, for a retreat, and I'm thinking, great, okay, this is great, there'd be lots of guys there, you know, this would be a good opportunity, <laughs> this is great. So my sister and I laughed because we went there and um, the guy we met was Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't what we were expecting. Right. So the work that Young Life was doing, there was nothing Hebraic about it. Okay. And yet I still came mm-hmm. to a saving, you know, God still, it was all because it was God's grace, right? Yes, it was exactly. all God's grace. Okay. Yeah. I didn't earn anything. I didn't work my way into that in any way, shape or form. God's grace. He chose me uh, for that and my sister. And so many, many in our audience, that's how we've come to the faith. Sure. Okay. And yet that doesn't mean we stop there in our understanding. Exactly. You know, those are the, as Paul said, the elementary uh, teachings of Christ crucified. That's the idea that we start there. That's a critical point. For, for most of us, that's where it all that's began. That's where it Absolutely. all began. And praise God that it did, okay? That's okay. That's part of how that gospel went out to the Gentiles, okay? But that's not the end. No. That that was a time. But now we're coming to the time of this great restoration of all things where now it's we have a responsibility to go deeper, to look back, to peel away anything that's false, that's a lie. That's a deception. And, and and what we're finding is this grafting in. That's right. It, into what? Right. In, you know. Into into a faith that, that was established and 
uh, all the all that goes with that. I mean, that's that et we were talking about, and everything that goes with it. <laughs> um, the aleph tav, the beginning yeah, and the end, yes. the, yeah, the alpha and the omega. Yeah, and those. all that all goes with it, and everything that goes with it is what we've been, exp- uh, you know, tr- studying and learning and trying to to uncover and seek out uh, for the last how about, what twenty some thirty years. I and mean, and you know what? How how great has that walk been oh, for us? It's, uh, it's a joy. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I with highly, you. highly recommend it to everyone in our audience is I think God wants this walk of discovery about who we are and who we've been grafted into for every one yeah. of his Gentile believers to, to, to take that path that we've been so, that God has so graciously shown us over the last 20 years. Yes. And we've had a great time with it. And at the same time, it's not always been easy. I mean, you know, because I always tell, tell the idea that when it finally hit me that I was supposed to be eating like the rest of my Jewish family. Okay. Like we use that idea, sit, you know, what they're, the family's eating. Um, I go to a family, um, reunion I, I'm telling you, there wasn't a thing served at that reunion that I could eat that it didn't have bacon fat in it, the pork hot dog, the uh, baked beans and yeah, everything. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I can eat a hot dog bun. Yeah. Okay. And it was almost like, I was like, okay, see, it's not going to be so easy for you, you know? Right. Well, yeah, it's, it is difficult. I mean, and, and think about the Jewish people for all these years. Um, you know, having to be set apart. Uh, you know, your uh, your daughter Michaela p- picked up on something I said uh, uh, at uh, uh, at Christmas time, walking the dog at night here, and all the Christmas lights are all around my neighborhood, and I had my little Sabbath candles in lit in my window, and it just hit me that look at that. I mean, my house otherwise was was dark except for those two candles, and I thought this is what Jewish people have felt. All these years, being set apart, being being unusual, uh, a peculiar people, you know, and I think uh, Michaela modified that to be you know, she was the menorah in the in the sea of Christmas lights kind of thing. Yes, yes. But I, I think that that is that is so. Um, it's important for us to realize that being set apart for God is more important than being loved by the world, and and that you know I remember going to. When I, I'm a former pastor, full disclosure here, and I would go, I would go to our pastors' meetings uh, on a monthly basis. To Kathy, I'm telling you, it, it almost happened almost every single time. What was being served at lunch? Pulled pork. I mean, you know, so I'm like you. I'm walking down the aisle, down, you know, grabbing a bun, grabbing some fruit, yeah, no, and you know, <laughs> and, yeah, and and not eating, you know, because this this again, this, we do we think that we are, have our salvation, our relationship with God is 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 uh, was formed on this or based on this? Are we earning our salvation? No, this is an obedience. This is because that is not food according to the Torah. And and we're going to do a podcast okay. on that. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. going to do a podcast. What I'd like to do um, is um, take a quick break and then look at um, going back, going into a couple other verses that kind of talk about this same kind of idea of using different um, imagery, so to speak, and and, and different words. So uh, we'll get to that right after this break. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now... 
as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Um, we've been talking about the concept of uh, being grafted into the olive tree of Israel. But, you know, in Ephesians 2, um, God kind of says this in another way that's actually pretty clear. Yeah, it's um, uh, Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, that's you and me, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, um, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Did you hear that? No hope. Separated from from God, cut off from the covenant, not a chance until we then become grafted in through the blood of Yeshua, and now we become part of the commonwealth of Israel. That's a very deliberate term there, commonwealth Absolutely, absolutely. This one said citizenship, same thing, commonwealth, citizenship of Israel. Yeah, citizenship, yeah, I'm so used to reading it. I'm used to hearing it in commonwealth, commonwealth, actually. Because I often say, you know, the wealth common to Israel. Okay, I like that. The wealth common to Israel, because they they were brought in, you know, they were brought, uh, uh, brought along as a people of God. And now we have that common value, that common wealth, you know, the treasure. common treasure. Yeah. Yes. The pearl of great price. Yes. We now are set apart for him as well. That is huge. And, and, and there was no way to experience that wealth, that treasure without joining to the, uh, the covenant people. Exactly. Who God made the covenant with without joining that olive tree of mm-hmm. Israel, so to speak. We weren't going to get it any other way. Right. Even even when we're unaware, like you said, when we, we accept Yeshua as our Messiah, our Savior, which I, I, again, for the record, Kathy and I both believe he is the Messiah and he is he's born of, of the line of Judah. I mean, he's born mm-hmm. of the family of Judah from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the connection we're trying to make here. And this is what's so important that that's the family that we become a part of, even if we don't know it even if we're not unaware of what grafting in means. But then it's up to us. I think. It's How is that any different than a child, a young child adopted into a family? They don't know anything about that family there when they go. first come in. Perfect example. Okay. But, but they grow 
to know and understand what it means to be part of that family, yes. but they don't know that as part of going into it at and, all. And part of the problem is we're not taught that as we enter in, what are we being taught? We're, we're given all types of Christian theology, doctrine, doctrine that, have, that has been completely divorced of this root. Yes. Yes. Until now. Until now. Okay, so Thank this God. now is the time, and I, I we've told the audience this before, we are so blessed to be living in this time. I know there's a lot of hard stuff going on, and it's going to probably get worse, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what the Word says, so sure. it's probably not even a probably. But, but it is also the time of God's great restoration. So what's He restoring? He's restoring the true worship that was established for His people and those brought into the covenant with His people. Um, you you can't restore it unless it's been lost. Right. Okay. So you you have to. What are what are we restoring? If we had everything that we needed the way it was supposed to be, then that that verse in um in Acts three, uh twenty one about. Uh, Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things as foretold by the prophets. Restoration of what? What are right. we missing? Right. But our eyes now are being opened to, to the what idea we were missing. That exactly. What we were missing. That was what that was my question. That was where I was, you know, at that point in my walk. What am I missing here? Right. And and now now we're discovering that. Right. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the that concept of joining Israel is an old one. It goes all the way back in Torah. It goes yes. it goes way back. Even in Exodus, when they were leaving Egypt um, uh, after all of the plagues, it says a mixed multitude went up with them also. Yes. Okay, this was all these uh, non-Jewish people, non-Hebrews, who were looking at over the last course of like 10 months or so with all of these plagues and going, Oh, the God of Israel looks like this is the, the real thing the here. The real deal. Uh, the real deal. I want to join these people. I want to uh, uh, worship their God. Um, <laughs> whatever their motivation was yeah. for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to be hit by any more hail. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here's a good place to mention it, God's great. I, I love the fact that you brought that up going all the way back to Egypt. You know, I, I think uh, I read to you uh, uh, last week uh, in during Torah, the idea that we think grace is uh, God's, uh, um, it's God's choosing us. But the Hebrew way of thinking of it was giving people the ability or the power to choose him. And that is phenomenal when you think about it. Now, here you have this example you just mentioned of Egypt, and you have all those who are fighting against him. And then you have those who say, wait a minute, why am I fighting this? This is the real deal. And so they go with. And then you have um, the example of they come out of Egypt and this, this, uh, uh, complete opposite um, reaction of Amalek fighting against them. And then you have Jethro in the next chapter of Exodus saying, no, yeah. So you you have that juxtaposition of Jethro and Amalek right there with that choice that we all have to make, you know, am I going to fight this or or do I recognize, join this this, or recognize it and join it. So that concept was, again, I really like that. Let's go back to that. Is that the great the grace? Say that again. The, the, the grace is the power. God gives us the power to choose Him. I really like that. Mm. I really like that. 
that kind of combines this idea of God's election and our choice working together, Together. because both of those ideas are clearly in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You see this idea about election, and you see this idea about choice over and over. That concept kind of puts it together, together, you know, the marriage of those two ideas in a really cool way. I I like that. I like that a lot. Well, Um, then, and then we see it, of course, throughout the scripture. I just mentioned those examples. You mentioned the Egyptians. We mentioned Amalek and Jethro. You have Rahab and the rest of Jericho. Uh, I think we're going to maybe we'll talk a little bit about Ruth uh, and Naomi. Uh, You have Cornelius and the rest of the Roman army. You know, I mean, you see it. Exactly. The the whole book of Ruth, that's the story right there of of joining up with Israel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. There it is right there. You know, the the, uh, Torah calls this concept um, the law of the sojourner. I love that. I love the law of the sojourner, and it, it, it's seen in several places, but Exodus 12, 48, a foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. Okay, this gets back now to God's laws, Torah, okay, Mm -hmm. God's teaching, is that if you want to join with Israel, then the same teachings apply to you as the sojourner. You and I have decided to sojourn with Israel. And the same law. So Numbers 15, 14 also says, if an alien sojourns with you, or one who may be among you throughout your generations, and he wishes to make an offering by fire, that means I want to choose to worship your God as a soothing or Roma to the Lord, just as you do, so he shall do. As for the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the alien who sojourns with you a perpetual statute. To me, that is so powerful that that one statute uh, goes for everybody in the family in the same way that this is the dinner I'm putting behind before you. This is what y'all are going to eat. Right. Everybody one in the family. family. One yes. family. Yes. One family. One God. Yes. One people that we join. Yes. So that we become one with them. It, it's beautiful. It, it is actually kind of simple. It is. We, I think we've complicated it in the fact that, like I said, so many people, our heads are filled with Christian doctrine and we miss the simplicity of joining to this family. And Ruth, you mentioned Ruth a moment ago, that, that's our prototype. That's that, that confession, your people, my people, your God, my God, that's it. That's it. That, in a yeah. nutshell. That is really the salvation. That's what happens at salvation. Yes. When we have this salvation experience, mm-hmm. whether we know it or not, we're saying your people are my people, your your God is my God. Yes. Um, and like I said, it can happen without us having that full understanding of it, what exactly we're saying, and it, and it certainly does, yes. um, and it has throughout the centuries. But But when you now get to understand what that means, 
what a privilege that is. Yes. Absolute privilege that is. So the richness. It, the richness of yeah. it to be part. You know, we talked about the Galatians 3, and it says, you know, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham. Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's right. As you said. So obviously this isn't talking about the fact that we don't have male and female. Okay, that's a right. whole different it's talking discussion. About one entry one into entry, the family. One entry, one family. Okay, yes. um, and then eventually one law, one Torah for right. that whole family. And so, the Apostle Paul repeatedly reminds us that the promise, the covenants were made with Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that this promise um, could not and would not ever be revoked. That's right. Ever. But the way that we get to benefit from it is joining in. He didn't stop the promise with them and revoke it and create a new one for us. No, exactly. Heaven forbid, as Paul would say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a good place to just pause for a moment and say, "All right, well, why, why, why is it so rich? Why is it so important? Let's uh, let's use the Shabbat for example. Until you actually experiencing experience keeping the Shabbat, you don't know." what the benefits are. You don't know what the joy is. You don't know the peace, the strength, the, the connection with the, the creator that you get uh, by, by doing that is only, only uh, experienced by the doing. By doing. Yeah. And yeah. so, so some might be sitting there saying, well, you know, this is just a bunch of rules. What's so big of it? But no, it's not. No. It's not. It's, it's Absolutely. Much more than that. I mean, no different. Once again, I'll go back to the family. You can say, oh, it's just a meal. But a family meal together yeah. is something really special. It is. Okay. So, not to I, mention you'll starve if you don't eat. Exactly. So, you got both <laughs> of those things going on. Okay. But, you know, so I just want to, I, I just want to express, how grateful I've come, because I've come to this understanding, how grateful I am that God chose this man, he chose this people, he made this covenant with them, but he didn't leave me out, okay? He made a way for me to benefit from that. And and that's beautiful. And when whether I understood it then as more as much as I understand it now, so be it. He made that way for for me. Um, And I'm reminded, you know, sometimes you know, the, the faith of a child, you know, mm-hmm. you think about the faith of a child is so simple. Um, I, I was teaching, um, uh, children's, you know, Sunday school, VBS and all of that with my daughter. And we would often sing that song, father Abraham. Yeah. Okay. Great song, fun little dance you can do with it. And it goes, father Abraham has many sons, many sons has father Abraham. I, I'm not a good singer. Okay. <laughs> I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. Yeah. Wow. I can't think of a better way to put it that, he made a way for us to be sons and daughters That's right. of Father Abraham. What's our response? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Lord. I mean, this is what he meant by a father of many nations. Exactly. We, it was in the plan all along. Exactly. Exactly. Praise the Lord. So I, I, 
I'm thrilled, Gary. I know you and I could talk about this forever, but we are going to do a continuation sure. of this podcast and talk more specifically about that concept of being broken off, the branches that were broken off and others grafted in and the sternness and kindness of God. That's going to be in our next podcast. So little teaser for everybody. But um, so uh, we look forward to seeing you with us that time. But until then, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah, have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.